0: Today's episode is all about how marketers can get CEO buy-in for change and experimentation. We are going to discuss the changing nature of B2B buying behaviour and how more than ever B2B marketers need to be pushing boundaries. In this new era, how can marketers approach change and how can they get CEO buy-in to test the waters and experiment? We're going to be revealing things like um, yeah, how to get, from a CEO's perspective, what are the concerns, goals and perceptions of Adapting to change, um, what they think about the marketing function, advice on how to broach conversations on change with the CEO, and what the CEO wants from marketing, which is what we all want to know. So really excited that our guest today is Ethan Aaron, CEO of Portable, and as Gaetano Denardi said, one of the best CEOs he has ever worked with on marketing. So um, over to you, Ethan, to introduce yourself and Portable.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about marketing. I am a CEO, so I have a lot of hats I have to wear, but I think when when running a company, you need people to know you exist. So marketing has, has been top of mind and, and excited for the conversation. Um, I'm the CEO of Portable. We started the company three years ago and we are a data integration tool. We help people pull data from all their diff- disparate marketing support sales tools. Put it into a data warehouse so they can build dashboards on top of it, automated insights so they can track our things working. Um, that's the product in a nutshell. Um, from a marketing perspective, we're PLG focused. So we're really focused on things like content for SEO, events. We just a couple minutes ago announced we're doing a, a virtual, our first ever virtual conference. Uh, I've never hosted a virtual conference before, so we'll see how this goes. Um, in person events and LinkedIn content. So Extended to talk about everything marketing b2b specifically
0: amazing and i guess um as some an organization running plg i think i know what the answer to this next question is going to be but how important do you think it is for a ceo to understand the marketing function
1: so it's it's absolutely critical number one um it's, and it's interesting to me because i had never i'd never built a cup co- like we built this company we're up to 5 people at this point and we built it on literally our laptops like we had there was no ex, existence of portable 3 years ago so going from that to a brand and awareness and people actually knowing you exist is number 1 number 2 is how do they actually start talking about you and and thinking about you in the moment they're trying to buy and then also how do you get in front of them when they're ready to buy without those things customers Success doesn't matter. Your product doesn't matter. Engineering doesn't matter. The operations don't matter. Support doesn't matter. So it's like either sales or marketing is gonna bring people in the door. And what I've been seeing a lot, combination of both LinkedIn events, et cetera, is you can get unbelievable leverage out of marketing from a combination of signups, awareness, and just direct response um, that until I, I, I went pretty deep into this, I, I did not understand the power of it. Um, so it's it's absolutely critical.
0: Amazing, and leading on from that, I think this is also a widely debated topic, um, definitely close to my heart. As a CEO, where do you see um, marketing sitting within the organization structure? Like, should it always be reporting to the CEO? Should it report into revenue or something else?
1: That's a really interesting question. We're a small company, so marketing today is most of my time. Um, Gaetano and and his team help us from an SEO perspective, and we have a couple other. We have a, uh, Rouge, who just joined the team full-time, Um, to help with marketing sales partnerships. Uh, And then we have another contractor. So it's like, if you think about the success of a business, if I think it probably evolves over time to be, to be fully transparent early on, without marketing, your company will not exist. Like no one will know you exist. You will fit. Um, As you get larger and larger marketing continues to be absolutely critical, but it's, like the the power of something like customer success or customer support, they become really important as well. Early on, they don't matter as much as marketing does. So I, I would say it kind of depending on the evolution of your company and what the biggest pain points are at the time, that's what should be front and center for a CEO. And if for instance, you've already exhausted, which rarely happens, you've already exhausted the entire ecosystem's worth of clients. And now your job is drive more revenue from them and Uh, support them and and drive customer success. Maybe it's a revenue function, but even that revenue function entirely depends on marketing. So it's one of those things of, um, I don't think about, I don't carve in my head, at least I don't carve carve marketing out separately from go-to-market as a whole. I just realize for our business as a PLG business, marketing is by far the most important thing to us uh, when it comes to -to Mm go-to-market.
0: Um, there's quite a bit of background noise. I just thought, is that on your side?
1: Yeah, I just muted for a sec. Um, there's a a fire truck outside. I live in
0: Okay. Well, there we go. Podcast listeners for having a live fire situation, but hopefully everything's all right. Um, I think, yeah, it's interesting one with the where marketing should sit. And my CEO's perspective on it is that, um, he actually likes there to be like, not, not, not unhealthy friction, but like healthy amount of friction between sales and marketing. And like, he likes that. We sit separately and independently reporting to him because then he can get the full perspective from both sides um and like an un, i guess like un, he can then make unbiased of judgments on what should happen um and in the most part we're just we are talked of as a revenue organization a go-to-market function but we both have like our independent um our independence i guess and independent um FaceTime with the CEO which I think he really likes and also we we find important but I know it's not always like that in every company so it's an interesting one to ask about. Um, So, so
1: don't yeah. FaceTime is one like reporting structure sorry I, I have to talk and have the ambulance guy in the background um, but so when I think about it it's so over, even over the course of our three-year journey we've tried a bunch of different go-to-market approaches. Our first deal was a nine month long enterprise sale. Our branding didn't really matter in that scenario. Like it, it was entirely relationships, meetings. I met with 40 different people inside of a company and we, we effectively could have had no marketing function and still close that deal. Um, at the other end of the spectrum today, we're full PLG. Like we we have no sales function. There is no one doing outbound. The only people coming into our product are finding us somewhere on, in the world, uh, whether it's podcasts, events, et cetera, and signing up for our product. And I think there's this balance where it's like, should like in PLG, uh, product led sales functions, like companies that are PLG first, but add a sales function in those, it, it could be very reasonable for a sales function to report into marketing. Um, and if you kind of flip it, I, I could see the, the, the case where in a enterprise sales function where branding really doesn't matter as much as relationships, vice versa, that being said, I think for the CEO, they need to understand how the go to market works. And, that, and that's the part where I think a lot of people just think of, think of it as there's marketing and there's sales and kind of just like let them do their thing. When in reality, like you need to truly understand your buyer's journey and the, 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 the teams that you're interacting with at different points in their buying cycle so you can allocate resources effectively. And whether it's events or content or reach outs, it's all... The, Buying journey, and I think any CEO that's not constantly thinking about that across the entire journey, um, th- that's a problem. Uh, so I, I think that's more important than the the reporting structure. Is you need to understand how this stuff works.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then I guess leading on from that quite nicely is as a CEO, like what are your priority, main priorities and concerns when making like marketing related decisions. I guess if it's not necessarily what your background is in and you're wearing many hats, yeah, what what are the the main things that sort of come into your head that you have to consider when it comes to overall, like having that last say on a marketing decision?
1: Yeah, Um, there's a few competing priorities right now for me. One, I don't like just spending money for the sake of spending money. So most of the stuff we do is very low cost, if not entirely free from a resource perspective. Time-wise, like I, I could still spend a good amount of my time doing things. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I personally get very I'm, – I'm very averse to recurring commitments when it comes to, hey, we're going to do this thing and then we're going to do it again next month and do it again the next quarter until you know it really, really works. So um, that's the second piece is like one risk for any marketing initiative or any company initiative that's recurring is – not realizing after the first time that the roi didn't make sense and having a recurring commitment to your clients prospects community that you're going to keep doing it and it costs you 10 hours or it costs you 30 hours that scares me as a ceo is i don't want to make a commitment for the next 12 months on something that we don't even know it works so how do you make fast bets is one of the biggest things for me that's top of mind the second one is right now we just care about signups so brand awareness is amazing And it it does lead to signups, but for us, the key KPI that we are tracking right now is how many people are signing up for portables free tier every month. That is all that matters to us. So it's, it's continuing to tie things back. Like as the CEO, that is, and as a business, that is the one thing that is our company's top priority and awareness helps with that, uh, events help with that. But like it all comes back down to how do you actually drive signups for the product?
0: And that's really interesting to hear your perspective on it, and I, I kind of like so. I'm going to pick out this point: an, an aversion to a recurring commitment without it being proven. So this is really interesting because I think one thing that ma- a lot of marketers do get blocked on often is being enabled to have the time to make something work. So what what would it take for you to be persuaded that um, there are early positive signals that this could be something worth continually investing in?
1: Um, so I'm not opposed to continually investing in things, but I think the level of investment needs to correspond to the returns that are generated over time. Mm -hmm. Um, and as the returns go up, you can add more and more resources to this. So like a great example, six months, it might be more than that at this point. I started putting on happy hours and I was like, I I don't let, as I said, I don't, I have an aversion to recurring commitments, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to cat, like spending time and money. So I sat down and I was like, how do we do this in a way where It's so easy that we could just do it every month. And worst case scenario, it takes 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So created this thing. It's caught on around the world now. People are doing it everywhere. Called a low-key data happy hour. The whole idea is there's no speakers, there's no agenda, and there's no sponsors. As a CEO, I'm viewing that as we don't really have a ton of work to do. Um, And then the last item is we don't pay for people's drinks. So I know this sounds ridiculous. And most marketers are going to look at this and be like, that is entirely opposite of everything I've ever heard of for an event. It works. We're now up to 900 plus people that have signed up to attend these things in New York city alone. We have 170 people showing up next week for um, a happy hour in the city. Like we, we have filled the bar. We can't fit any more people, but it started off and we got 40 people showing up and hmm. like, there's not a clear like, Oh, this person signed up, but it's also unbelievably low effort for us. Yeah. Like I text the bartender. I'm like, Hey, are you free on this day for us to bring, 175 people to your bar. They're like, yes. And then I copy emails and I put them into a calendar invite. That is the entire process. It takes me 10 minutes a month. Don't even have to market it at this point. But as we see more and more traction from that, we're looking at it being like, how do we help this community? Because this is a phenomenal community of data leaders, CEOs, investors. And as we see more and more traction on the low investment front and we get from 40 people to 80 people to 100 people to 120 people, Now it's like, okay, this is like a really big thing for us. Like this is actually a phenomenal place for us to go help customers and prospects learn about not just portable, but the data ecosystem. And based on that, we were like, oh, now we can take that and build off that and do a virtual conference again for now, it's a, it's a one-time thing over if it works. Maybe we do it quarterly. Maybe we do it monthly. Maybe we do it annually. We don't know yet. I'm not committing to that yet because we need to see how the conference specifically goes. Um, but we can build off the
0: people that are
1: coming to the happy hour. It's about like
0: basically taking that whole philosophy of like minimal viable product and actually putting that into like marketing initiatives. I think marketers can be um, prone to building big plans, spending weeks on them, then like making things over complicated, executing it only for it to flop without really understanding like what demand that was out there first. And like MVP can be a great way around that. So it sounds like-
1: The other thing to think about there is, it's a lot harder to take back a commitment to a customer than it is to add something. If, if at our conference, we're like, Hey, we're gonna do this every quarter. And then we end up realizing we can't, it either takes too long or it's too much work or we can't get the speakers or whatever. We have to disappoint a lot of people. Whereas if you do it the other direction, it's like, we don't know if we're gonna do this again. Hopefully it is amazing and we can do it very frequently, but it's a lot easier to like surprise people and be like, hey, we're doing this again. And they'll be like, oh, amazing. I didn't think you would. So it's, it's also this expectation to clients and prospects of podcasts, newsletter, like those types of things where it, some people spend a ton of effort and time on these on podcasts like this. And it's like making sure that you know it's driving value. Like you can do a very lightweight podcast to start and it doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't have to be every month. It doesn't have to be anything. It could just be a video interview with in a person. And if it works, then you do another video interview with a person. So like that to me is how I think about a lot of our marketing initiatives is make a bet, see if it works. If it works, make another bet. And at some point, see, does this make sense to make this a recurring bet? Because it's driving, in our case, signups or or brand awareness. It's really valuable.
0: Nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so what advice would you give to a marketer who's pushing for experimentation to better address the buyer behavior as it is today and when it comes to getting buy-in from their CEO? So this is sort of touching upon things like this whole shift from lead gen to demand gen, um, the understanding that like there is no linear buying like journey or funnel right now, the way that B2B buyers want to be sold to and our buying has changed. And so therefore we need to update our tactics. So, yeah, I think like how would you tell a marketer to go about sort of proposing these new initiatives and ideas to ceos to get their buy-in
1: i think at the highest level like let me talk as a ceo first and then i'll talk as the marketer trying to convince the ceo what i've started to realize is if you do the same things that you've been doing in the past or that other people are doing in the same way everyone else is doing it it's crowded you don't stand out. The whole idea of marketing is like, you need to position yourself in a place that's different from other people and like own that niche or own that space and be better than everyone else. So to me, the default has to be that. The default has to be new things. Like the the reason why these happy hours have taken off is because every other vendor in the data ecosystem says they're going to buy you fancy cocktails and give you free food and talk to you and have sponsors and speakers. And in that like in, in the ecosystem, that's what everyone's used to seeing. And if you do the thing that's different, you can get a lot of attention because it's different and unique and something that someone wants to go explore and potentially could be amazing. So I would say when I think about marketing at portable, like we're we compete with multiple companies that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars and can outspend us on literally every everything we do across the board. So in that world, how do you compete against a company that is spending more money on SEO or spending more money on events or spending more money on any other marketing channel, you have to be different and you have to be unique because if you move faster into the next big thing, um, you can make a brand, you can make a name for yourself. Like, so as a CEO, I think the justification is it's a better, like some of these novel ideas and experiments, some will fail. A lot of them will fail, Mm -hmm. but some of them could be a much, much higher ROI than just spending Dollars on Google search clicks um, because you're always going to lose that to someone with more money than you. Um, and it's going to keep the cost is going to keep going up. So to me as the CEO, I'm like, we have to find the thing that is different and that is has a high ROI. And a lot of those are not the typical tactics that everyone else is running, because everyone else is already running them.
0: Amazing. And as we have a CEO on who is often the person that many people are trying to market to or sell to how from your perspective do you feel like buying behavior has shifted like how are you buying differently today than you were say 10 years ago like in 2010 um and like how should people especially marketers use that to influence like their strategy
1: totally i would say there's a couple big shifts that i've noticed like one of the things that i do a lot of is building data integrations so not marketing not ceo stuff at all it's just like i sign up for tools and then i read their api docs and i build an integration. And what i've started to realize is if you on your homepage if you don't have a place for someone to try your product, to immediately get in touch with a salesperson or a marketing person or chat with a human being, like you're losing people that really want to interact with your product and experiment. So it's like making it front and center. Like i any any person looking for a job or that wants to get up to speed in our market, the first thing i tell them to do is find 20 vendors and go sign up for a free trial and get a meeting with their sales t- sales team. You should be able to do that or marketing team. You should be able to do all of that in about an hour. You just find the name, go to their homepage, click, get a demo, schedule it, click sign up for a free trial, play around. Like anyone that's not using, anyone that doesn't have a fast way for customers to get in touch with you, um, is missing out drastically. Like there are a lot of people that will come to your site, not see a clear next step and just move on. Because it's the next ten vendors are all going to have the same stuff. So, so that's that's one of the biggest things. The other thing that I've seen in the last year, I've gotten pretty. I, I've spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and social media. Up until that point, I hated it. I still kind of hate social media in general, but I post all the time on LinkedIn now. And what's really interesting to me about social media that I, I didn't understand because again, I'm not I'm not a marketing person um, by education or by trade. What I started to realize was there's a very different dynamic with either when you're talking as a company or when you're talking as a human being doing cold outreach to a person, like email messaging, someone on LinkedIn or emailing them be like, Hey, here's our product. Do you want to buy it? Versus if someone sees my content for one month on LinkedIn or our company's content on LinkedIn for one month, it effectively can convert them from a cold outreach to a, a lot of them could be inbound. Some of them could be warm leads where you don't have to go through some third party. You, you you just cultivated that relationship. And I think that level of branding and awareness and like building these relationships before they exist, especially with social, like social media specifically, um, is really powerful for, for building brand awareness. Like we're getting a ton of inbound conversations, just people being like, hey, I love your content. And I, and I go back and I'm like, hey, I would love to talk to you about life and also about portable. And it kind of flips the script from, us trying to do outbound to the heads of data massive companies to they like our content let's have a chat so i, I think so like that, that's not new to, mar- to i'm guessing that's not new in the marketing world but like just seeing the power of social media and um just being you're able to leading
0: value. With value i think like you've like yeah. you said, you said leading with value whether it be on the product side or, or like yeah the, the sales process or the content that you're putting out there like that leading with value is what people expect it's for sure. Um, amazing. And then I'm interested in this one because it's always good to know as a CEO, what do you want and expect from marketing um, and, and your marketing leader?
1: What do I, I got to take my, I got to take my marketing hat off and think about, you know, um, I, so I kind of, view. Use, I used to work in finance and a lot of, this is an analogy, but I'll come back to it in a second. Um, I used to work in finance, and in finance, you have to make bets. It's like some of your money goes into stocks, some of it goes into bonds, some of it goes into hedge funds, some of it goes into real estate. And they all have different risk profiles and different rewards that happen. And your job managing your own money or someone else's money is allocating resources across six buckets or two buckets or one bucket based on the information you have. So when I think about a marketing leader, that's their job in a nutshell. Like As we get bigger, it'll be more allocation and less individual contributor work. Like today I have to allocate resources and write blog posts <laughs> and like post events. So it's like, we're, we're, doing everything. But when I think about as we grow, when I look for leaders in our marketing function, sorry for the I guess another fire, fire check. Um But when I think about leaders in our marketing function, it's, it's a resource allocation question. And it's not, there's no perfect answer of everyone needs to have 30% SEO, 20% events, 1% podcast, like, like none of it, it. It depends on your specific business, your clients, your prospects, their buying journey and where you are in your life cycle Mm -hmm. and making those investments, being able to quantify them and track them and being able to explain them to the rest of the business is really important. Like even, even in our world today, SEO, I know it's one of the bets we're making. It's a long-term bet. Like it's not something where tomorrow we're magically going to get a million Mm signups, but Every month that goes by, we keep accruing more and more blog posts to drive more and more traffic to our site. And in the long term, it's a really good use of capital and, and time and builds our brand. LinkedIn, we can't scale that 100x. So in the long term, it's not going to be what gets us to a billion dollars in revenue mm-hmm. just me posting on LinkedIn today. It gets us a lot of signups and a lot of brand awareness. So like that's one where we need to allocate something to that. Events, we're like starting to carve that out, and it's very much. Making the bets, but also explaining the bets and the investments to everyone at the company in terms of why why you would be investing in SEO today when it's not going to pay off for another nine months or another year, um, and being able to balance that with hey, this is what we're doing that's going to help you today. Uh, I think that is what I would look for in in any marketing leader.
0: I love it. Yeah, I always talk about marketing as a form of poker, so I feel like that analogy is very similar. Yeah. Um, cool. So why do you think that many CMO tenures are so short and how should CMOs, marketing leaders be looking to mitigate against this?
1: I think a lot of it comes down to, and even myself before I had to do this myself was, when I think about most of the interactions I've had with CMOs, it's about, they they use terminology that no one else in the company understands or cares about. It's like, oh, the MQLs, they're going to be amazing. And it's like, if you tell me it's signups and our company cares about signups, like sweet, that's amazing. Like that's what I, that's what the business cares about. That's what everyone else in the company is tracking against. Uh, I think any business function, one of the biggest risks is focusing inward on your own business function and not on why product management would care about marketing. Like most product teams are like, well, why are we investing so much money in marketing? Like it's it's the thing that pays for your job. Like the the only people that use your product are the ones that you've successfully marketed to, um, and I think instead of focusing on the specific tactics and language of marketers, I think thinking about the other people around the table and around the company and around your customers and at your customers, and always putting the language in their shoe, like put put, put what you're doing in, in through their lens. That's what marketers do, but even even internal stakeholders, the yeah. CEO, it's like. Don't don't think about explaining marketing language to the CEO. Go to the CEO and be like, what are your top five priorities? Great, you care about this, 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 and this. Like for this one, these are the three things we're making. These are three bets we're making. This one's a short-term bet, should pay off quickly. If not, we'll track that. This is a long-term bet. Do not expect any results from it. And I think being able to frame things through the lens of whether it's the CEO or for any executive team, the rest of the executive team, it's really important to translate what you're doing to um, the other parts of the business instead of trying to convince them to speak your language, I think is probably the biggest, um, biggest blocker.
0: Amazing, yeah, we do love an acronym in, in marketing.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> how, and then like, well, this is the penultimate question, but how do you like um, your marketing lead or your the people, how would you like them to be communicating with you? So by this, I mean like, What is the perfect cadence? Like how frequently, in what way, what type of information do you want to see? Because I think it can sometimes be um, difficult to navigate how to report upwards effectively.
1: Yep. I would say the biggest, the biggest thing is what are the bets that we're, what are the investments we're making today? And it can't be 20 bets. Like no, no human being can manage 20 things successfully. Like it'll pull you in too many directions. So it's like, these are the three top priorities. It's, XYZ, make that front and center very clear. Here's how those three things that we're doing from marketing function directly tie into the goals of you as the CEO or you as the business. That is it. If any of the three do not, or any of the five do not, tie into a direct goal of the company or the CEO or the board, get rid of it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna help. Um, and then track it. Like we we are a data driven company. Like by far, so we have one effectively dashboard at, at Portable. Um, where we're pulling in data from all of our different tools. And we have a tab for product management. We have a tab for support. We have a tab for content Um, and being able to, you can manually populate it if you want, like a spreadsheet. It's like, hey, for this bet, this is how much we spent. This is how the return is going. And by the way, we expected this to return positively, like a positive ROI in a nine month period or in a one week period or in a five year period and make it clear of like for each of the three bets What is the expectation? When will this, when do we expect it to work? And then how is the investment going? How's the return going? Um, I think that's at the highest level, what really matters. And then the things that I've, um, I would, I personally would look for, because I actually find this a lot with Gaetano is there's a ton of really interesting knowledge in other parts of the company, whether it's the CEO or the sales team or other people that is really important in specific places in the marketing function. So like one of the things I've spent a lot of time on with Gaetano when it comes to our SEO strategy is uh, keyword research. Mm -hmm. And keyword research isn't one of those things that someone with a marketing background can do as well as the person who has spent seven years speaking the language. Like there, there's very, very nuanced things about how you speak about our product, for instance, ETL. Mm -hmm. And there have been scenarios where one word in a three- word keyword doesn't make sense to me where like it it looks on paper perfect from marketing perspective Mm -hmm. like you'd look at it and be like oh that looks just like this other keyword but but ceos and other people like sales teams and and people that are really on the ground with customers getting them involved in conversations like that because if you pick the wrong keywords for search or the wrong taglines for for your events like even off by one word i think there's a lot of back and forth that should be taking place with the ceo um to really get those right. Cause if you get them right, you could drive an extra 10%, 20% engagement. And if you get them slightly wrong, um, it can have a very material impact to the business. So like that's one place where I'd actually try and be more hands-on is find the really high value, like language aspects and just make sure those are tied in correctly with the with the business and the language the customers are using.
0: Amazing. Makes sense. And then our final question is one that I like to end all podcasts on. So it is, what would be one thing you'd tell marketers today to stop doing? And what would be one thing you would tell them to start doing?
1: What is, I had a good answer for this and I forgot what it was. Um, What would I tell marketers to stop doing? I would try as best as possible, unless you're talking to other people on your team, to to using marketing language. Um, And like, I would tell that to anyone. It's like, you go to an engineer and it's like, cool, with other engineers, talk about it, like use engineering terms. If you're a phenomenal engineer, you could like flip a switch and talk to a salesperson in their language because you'll learn so much. So like that's number one is anytime you're communicating with a client or someone else inside the organization, try and get rid of as many ac- acronyms as possible. I know it's very difficult, but like that, that's one thing that happens everywhere inside companies, but it's just like try and speak their language, not yours is, is one thing I would recommend definitely doing. Um, or definitely not doing, yeah. let's say that's the not doing one. And then yeah. what would I recommend, what would I recommend doing, I would say find the things that no one else in the market's doing, like experiment and find, find the gaps because there's so much capital out there in the market, especially in the B2B world, where if you run the same playbook as everyone else, it's, it's a race to the bottom. It's, it's who can spend the most money on that initiative and making it your own and really kind of finding a way to experiment in a way that not just your company stands out, but like your events stand out or your content stands out. It doesn't have to be a massive change, but something about each of them, Um, each one of your channels has to be like, you have to position it relative to the market of competitors. Like your blog needs to be marketed in itself and and trying to really carve out a niche for all of them and experiment, I think is super valuable, Um, especially in today's market.
0: Amazing. That's been so useful and I'm sure like for many marketers, it's very unique for us to get the inside line from a CEO in terms of how you're thinking about marketing and what you want from us. So um, really appreciate your time today and yeah, excited for this episode to come out. Thank you so much for the time today.